Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. A car crash following a heavy snowstorm leaves police suspecting foul play. There was a dead woman covered in blood, totally frozen, sitting in the driver's seat. It looked like a scene out of a horror movie. Will Mother Nature prevent investigators from uncovering the truth behind her death? Or lead them straight to the killer's front door? The weather was an early ally for the investigators. Had there not been snowfall, we would never have known who killed her. In January 2004, Hopewell Township, a small New Jersey town situated between Philadelphia and New York, experiences a particularly intense winter storm. This area of New Jersey is no stranger to winter weather. They can get nor'easters, uh, they can get just regular frontal systems coming in from the west. Typically it snows in this area about 20, 25 inches per year. Certainly in the northeastern U.S. and portions of northern New Jersey in particular, winter weather can be extreme. There are many times throughout the winter that areas like this can be subject to icing, snowfall, enough that can cause real travel issues. The morning after the storm, police receive a 911 call from a local utility worker reporting an accident on the outskirts of town. Jacobs Creek Road is a rural area. On one side of the road, there are homes that are on a hill. On the other side is the creek itself. Officer Louis Bastola from Hopewell Township Police Department is the first to arrive at the icy scene and finds a vehicle on the edge of the frozen creek. The vehicle was not severely damaged. One of the headlights had popped out and was dangling, but still attached to the vehicle. Maybe the car had gone out of control in the snow, and it veered down. It's the 20-foot drop, I think, down to the bottom of Jacob's Creek. It looked like it was a traffic accident. But as Vestola gets closer, he notices something odd with the tire tracks in the snow. They show no sign that the driver tried to stop. Typically, when we investigate a crash, there's usually some indication that a driver is trying to correct whatever is going wrong, slamming on the brakes. I did not see that. When Vestola opens the driver's door, he's taken aback by what he finds. I could see that there was a female in the vehicle, and she was slumped over. I checked for a pulse, and she was extremely cold to the touch. And her head was bloody. Vestola can tell the woman is dead and has been for a while. He also takes note of how much blood there appears to be for an accident with such little damage to the car. There was blood everywhere, inside and the outside of the SUV, the passenger side and the driver's side. So it was looking very, very suspicious. 
the officer quickly notifies his superiors. Within minutes, Detective Dan McEwen arrives to take over the investigation. When I got to the scene, I remember stepping out of the car and being hit by the cold. Fortunately, the wind wasn't that bad. As McEwen approaches the vehicle, officers inform him that the SUV is registered to a man named Jonathan Nice. They believe the woman inside the vehicle is his wife. They notice there is a name badge on the victim's body. The name is Michelle Nice. Born in the Philippines in 1972, Michelle Rivera grew up in a small village, but had big dreams of seeing the world. She came from a very poor family, but she knew there was more out there than, you know, her small village. But she found a way to overcome her meager beginnings. And in 1990, she met her true love, an American medical researcher named Jonathan Nice. Jonathan told Michelle that he was 32 years old and lived in Greenville, North Carolina. They told everybody he'd be on a, a research conference in Hawaii, and he'd literally tripped over on a beach. They got to know each other, and he said it was love at first sight. It wasn't long before the two exchanged vows, and Michelle moved to Greenville, where Jonathan's research suddenly took off. He wanted to find the cure for cancer, basically. And he realized the drug he was working for for cancer could be applied to asthma. He dedicated everything to it. It became his life's work. Meanwhile, Michelle gave birth to three beautiful children, two boys, and then a little girl. It's something he'd always wanted, and she was a very good mother. I think it really brought them closer together. Four years later, Jonathan opened his own company to market his new drug, and the money poured in. Investors got behind it immediately. He became an instant millionaire. He was worth $60 million. Jonathan and Michelle relocated their family to Hopewell Township, New Jersey, a hub of pharmaceutical development. They settled into a million-dollar mansion in one of the most affluent neighborhoods in the area. Jonathan was hugely respected in the business community in New Jersey. Things seemed to be going really well for Michelle and Jonathan. Michelle was living the American dream. But on a cold, wintry day in January 2004, that all came to a chilling end. Back at the frozen crash site, investigators battled the temperature while processing the scene. It was extremely cold. You know, where your fingers started to hurt. For our area, it does get cold, but temperatures like that don't happen too often. As brutal as the conditions are, the weather actually puts time on their side. Those cold temperatures can actually preserve certain types of evidence, certainly in this case, the body itself. Almost immediately, detectives agree with Officer Vestola's assessment of the scene. The small amount of damage to the exterior of the SUV doesn't seem to match the amount of blood inside. As investigators take a closer look, they notice other inconsistencies that arouse their suspicions even more. The driver's seat was pushed all the way back. It was obvious she wasn't driving the vehicle. She never would have been able to reach the pedals. 
they notice a suitcase in the back seat and an ice scraper on the floor between her feet. And surprisingly, she's not wearing a coat or shoes in the dead of winter. Police wonder if the scene has been staged to cover up the homicide. We felt strongly that the accident was not the cause of this victim's injuries. This happened somewhere else, and this is where the victim was left. Outside the vehicle, police find something in the snow that backs up their theory. There are a set of footprints leading from the passenger side of the vehicle, which would suggest that there was a second person with her when she crashed. Police now know for sure that Michelle wasn't alone. They follow the footsteps, hoping this clue in the crisp, fresh snow will lead them to Michelle's killer. Weather, it can hide the truth, but it can also reveal the truth. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The morning after a winter storm blankets Hopewell Township, New Jersey with fresh snow and freezing temperatures, police find the lifeless, bloody body of 34-year-old Michelle Nice slumped over in the driver's seat of her SUV, frozen solid. This part of the world, especially at night, a little bit of ice or snow that occurs on a roadway can very rapidly ice that up. It's certainly plausible to think that this vehicle may have went off the roadway and down the embankment.
Hopewell Township investigators continue to find signs that this may not have been an accident after all. There were injuries that did not seem consistent with the damage done to the car. But most telling are the footprints in the snow leading away from the SUV, proving someone else had been in the vehicle. And the frigid weather conditions are actually proving to be helpful. Because of these persistent cold temperatures, the investigators had a lot of time to process the vehicle, inspect the body, inspect the footprints. Things weren't disappearing quickly, so the weather aided in processing the crime scene. We knew the direction of the footprints that were left in the snow. That was a huge advantage to us. Investigators carefully follow the footprints, hoping they will lead them to this mysterious other person that was in the SUV. We followed the footprints for approximately a quarter of a mile. Once they got to the road, they disappeared. The road had been plowed. But the snowy footprints may still yield some vital clues. So investigators call the state police for additional forensic resources. By 9 AM, officers head to Michelle's home less than a mile away to notify her husband, Jonathan. When Jonathan answered the door, he was very polite. We told him who we were. He invited us in. We talked in the foyer. They tell him the devastating news that his wife has been in a fatal car accident. But Jonathan has little reaction. Everybody reacts differently to terrible news like that. I mean, some people have no reaction. Other people, you know, have a tremendous reaction. Police ask when he last had contact with his wife. And Jonathan says he saw her the day before. Jonathan said that the last time he spoke to her was 4 o'clock in the afternoon, that she was getting ready to go into work. Michelle worked on the perfume counter of a large department store in a local mall. She usually worked the evening shift. Then she'd finish around 10. She had told him that she was going out with a friend of hers after work. He tells police that's the last time he spoke to her. Jonathan says he called her once at 10 p.m. to let the kids say goodnight. But the call went to voicemail. Jonathan told the police, you know, he was with his kids the whole time. They watched a video together. Then they went to bed. They all slept in his bed. When police asked why he wasn't concerned when Michelle didn't come home all night, he says it wasn't unusual. Because she was often out late. She was going out with a friend of hers. So she might not be back till one or two. So he didn't think too much of it. He went to bed. That was it. Meanwhile, back at Jacobs Creek Road, crime scene technicians arrive to analyze the evidence. They start with the snowy footprints leading away from the vehicle. Snowfall is a critical factor because if you have freshly fallen snow, anyone that walks on that snow is going to leave footprints. If the snow would have been coming down very heavily afterward, it probably would have covered that over. They tried to make a casting of it, but unfortunately, the snow, once we poured the plaster in there, we couldn't do it. It just ruined the ridges. So they use a high contrast film and photograph each print at the scene. And thanks to the weather, the details are exceptionally clear, right down to the ridges in the sole. In order to get the footprints with the level of detail that there was, you needed really specific conditions. 
fresh snow falling on a hard surface, and in this case, there was ice beneath the fresh snow. So you had the nice firm surface underneath and then the fresh powder snow on top of it, which created just really nice footprints. The photos are sent to the lab for analysis, and police finally finish processing the scene. Michelle's body is then transported to the medical examiner for an autopsy, while her SUV is impounded to the state crime scene unit for examination. If the autopsy report and the vehicle inspection report don't match, it will confirm what police already suspect in their gut. This was a poorly staged crash site to cover up a murder. As investigators continue to question Jonathan, they tell him that they think Michelle's death may not have been an accident. They said, is there anyone that might have wanted to harm her? Anybody that, you know, could have done this? That's when Jonathan reveals a startling detail that could point to her killer. He tells police there's a man named Miguel who's been stalking his wife. And Jonathan said, yeah, he's the one that probably did it. But will the weather back up Jonathan's theory? This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. is found dead in her SUV on the edge of Jacobs Creek. The freezing temperatures show no sign of letting up. There was a high pressure over Canada, and then after the front had gone through this area, there was continuing cold weather for days after the crime. Hopewell Township Police have finished processing the icy scene, 
and are waiting on the analysis of photos taken of mysterious footprints in the snow. The officers knew right away that this was not a single car fatality. This was not a motor vehicle accident. In this case, the weather preserved the body, and it preserved the crime scene such that they were able to determine that this was a homicide. But they'll need the vehicle and autopsy reports to be sure. Meanwhile, investigators are questioning Michelle's husband, Jonathan Nice, a respected scientist who tells them his wife had a stalker. Jonathan informs detectives that in the summer of 2002, he and Michelle hired a landscaping company, and the foreman, Miguel de Jesus, took a liking to his wife. Jonathan says Miguel pursued Michelle, first as a friend. They found they had a lot in common. They were both immigrants from other countries to America. They had a lot they could share. Preoccupied with his career, Jonathan says he was unaware of the relationship forming between his wife and Miguel. Jonathan was spending a lot of time working on this drug, and his work consumed him. So I think she was getting lonely. There'd be weeks at a stretch she wouldn't see him. Jonathan tells police that Miguel took advantage of Michelle, and soon they became intimate. According to him, he learned of the affair after receiving a strange phone call on July 10, 2003. Jonathan had claimed that an individual contacted him and claimed to have video of Michelle engaging in sexual contact with another person. The man told Jonathan he wanted $500,000 or he'd go public with these recordings. Jonathan claimed that that individual who made that call was Miguel de Jesus. Jonathan tells detectives that when he approached Michelle about the affair, she was honest with him. So he forgave her, and they decided to work on their marriage. He agreed that he was going to spend more time with her, and she agreed to end the affair with Miguel. But according to Jonathan, in the weeks before she died, Michelle could never shake the feeling of being watched. It's at this time that Michelle is telling Jonathan that she believes he is stalking her. Jonathan went to the court and filed what's called a citizen's affidavit of probable cause to stop him from contacting his wife. Both parties agreed to stay away from each other for six months. Jonathan tells investigators he didn't pursue the extortion charges because they never heard from Miguel again. As the sun sets, police begin to learn more about Michelle's alleged stalker. But the more they find out, the more suspicious he looks. Miguel was a bit of a mystery. He said he came from Puerto Rico. He told other people he came from Guatemala. He went by three different names and at least three different social security numbers so he wouldn't be caught by the police. And investigators discover why. Miguel is consistently skipping out on child support. Police discover multiple addresses for him. So that night, around 10 p.m., police head out to find Miguel in the freezing weather. Because of the history between Miguel de Jesus, Michelle, and Jonathan Nice, Miguel was looked at as a suspect. We spent Friday night into early Saturday morning looking for him at the different addresses we had. We were all over Mercer County. 
and officers have to drive slowly because of the icy conditions, which isn't helping their search. Black ice is a particular type of freezing situation on a roadway. This ice can be invisible to the naked eye. During the daytime, you can be driving along and not even see a patch of black ice. At nighttime, it's even more critical. In conditions like this, people are stuck. They're maybe stuck at work or stuck at home or stuck in places where one might not expect them. So it creates a difficult situation if you want to find someone. While police struggle to find Miguel, detectives retrace Michelle's steps in the hours before her death. She had departed the family home at 4 p.m., headed to the local mall where she worked. Security cameras outside the mall show her leaving just after 9.15 p.m. Detectives are able to contact the girlfriend that she told Jonathan she was going out with. But she says at 9.50 p.m., Michelle called and canceled their plans. She just really didn't elaborate on why she didn't want to meet up, but she was unwilling to meet her friend. Police have a feeling Miguel can shed some light on where Michelle went after she left work. If only they knew where he was hiding. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. coldest winter months in 2004, Hopewell Township Police are investigating the suspicious death of Michelle Nice, wife of prominent scientist Jonathan Nice, after her bloody body is discovered in her SUV at the edge of Jacobs Creek. 
even though it's very cold, the weather conditions actually preserved the crime scene. It preserved her body, the footprints. If the weather had been warmer, this would have been a completely different investigation. Police believe the accident may have been staged and are working the case as a homicide investigation. The amount of blood that was in the vehicle, it was clear that that accident did not cause the injuries that the victim sustained. After speaking with Michelle's husband, police learned that his wife had ended a brief summer fling with their gardener, Miguel, who he claims then began stalking her. Jonathan said he had attempted to extort $500,000 from him. The threat was he would expose illicit pictures and videos of his wife, sexual in nature, if he didn't get the $500,000. Trying to make sense of it all, police are investigating the extortion claim and searching for Miguel. Meanwhile, reports on Michelle's autopsy and her SUV are completed. Inside the vehicle, blood analysis shows that all the blood belongs to Michelle. Outside, the SUV shows only minimal damage. A scraped bumper, an impaired driver's side door, and minor wear and tear marks. But Michelle's injuries tell another story. She had multiple skull fractures, four very severe wounds to her head, three that were on her forehead and one more on the, the top of her head. It appears Michelle was brutally attacked and tried to fight off her assailant. The medical examiner found bruising on her body, particularly the front of her body, which told us that she was on her stomach, but she also had defensive wounds. I mean, her horrific injuries that revealed in the autopsy, totally inconsistent with just being in a car accident. If it hadn't snowed, police wouldn't have the one piece of concrete evidence tying Michelle's potential killer to the sea. The snowy footprints leading away from the passenger side of the vehicle. If the weather conditions had been different, then the shoe prints wouldn't have persisted and they would have been ruined. If it had been warm weather, they may not have even known that there was anyone else in the car. After analyzing the detailed photos of the snowy prints, technicians are able not only to determine the size of the shoe, but the tread as well. The detail in the snow was so good that we were able to determine the type of boot that was being worn. They were able to discern that this was a Brahma boot. It was a size 12, and this would suggest more than likely it was a male. Having the ability to actually look at the footprints and compare to the footwear owned by a suspect, it's huge. Now an official homicide investigation with solid forensic evidence, Hopewell Township Police are more determined than ever to find their person of interest, Michelle's former lover, and alleged stalker, Miguel. If police can find the same shoes at Miguel's house that left those footprints in the snow, they'll have their killer. The next morning around noon, police finally locate Miguel at an apartment that he shares with his common-law wife. He had two or three addresses, and it was just a matter of locating him at one of them, which fortunately, we were able to do. We knock on the door. A woman answers. We asked if Miguel was there, at which point she opened the door and seated on the couch was Miguel. 
Looking nervous, Miguel has clearly been anticipating their visit. I said, we need to chat. And he said, I know, I've been waiting for you. He says he's heard about Michelle's death. I think he realized that he is seriously being looked at as a murder suspect. And he knew that if he didn't cooperate, it could turn bad for him. He denies knowing anything about her murder, but does admit that they met that evening. He said that he and Michelle met up when she got done with work at the Mount Hotel. Miguel tells investigators that they checked in at 10 p.m. and checked out two hours later. He says the last time he saw Michelle was when he walked her to her car around midnight. They separated at that point, and he went to a nearby bar. He had told his wife that he was out with his friend, so he stopped somewhere quickly for a few beers, so he'd go home smelling like beer, so it seemed like he was out with a buddy, not with Michelle. Police question his wife, and she says Miguel arrived home around 1 a.m. smelling like alcohol. And sure enough, his wife was mad at him. She could tell he'd been drinking beer and uh, was angry that he was home so late. She had him sleep on the couch that evening. She actually went in to check on him on two different occasions. Early in the morning, she verified that he was there. When investigators ask him about stalking Michelle and attempting to extort $500,000 from her husband, he claims that never happened. He said he never stalked, he never threatened, and he certainly never tried to extort any money. He said it was Jonathan who threatened me and told me that if I did not stay away from Michelle, that he was going to kill me. Miguel tells police that's when Jonathan filed a six-month restraining order. Both parties agreed to stay away from each other for six months, and they did. But their connection was undeniable. And when the restraining order expired, the affair began again. Miguel says he may be guilty of having feelings for Michelle, but he's not guilty of her murder. Although it appears Miguel has a strong alibi, police realize his story about the affair doesn't seem to match Jonathan's. They still had to corroborate Miguel's side of the story because, yes, Miguel was with her less than six hours before she died. We went to the Mount Hotel where he said he was. We went back and retraced those steps exactly. Police speak with the motel manager, who remembers seeing Michelle and Miguel arrive at 10 p.m. on Thursday night and leave around midnight. Their next stop is the bar Miguel said he went to. We talked to the bartender that actually served him. So we were able to account almost every minute from the time he left Michelle at the uh, motel until we talked to him the following morning. Miguel is starting to look more innocent than guilty. But police need one more piece of the puzzle to be sure. Do Miguel's shoes match the snowy footprints at the scene? The boots were size 12, and Miguel wore a nine. So unless he's wearing big shoes, it wasn't Miguel's whose prints were, were left. Miguel is officially taken off the suspect list in Michelle's murder investigation. And with no solid evidence, police have nothing to prove the extortion case. Back at square one, they decide to do some more digging. And what they find is an elaborate web of lies and deceit that stretches back 14 years. He quickly began to tell a very gruesome story of what had probably occurred to this woman.
I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. The brutal cold is continuing in the small borough of Hopewell Township, New Jersey, as police are investigating the homicide of Michelle Nice, wife of prominent scientist Jonathan Nice. After finding her body in the automobile in the creek, the police determined that the accident must have been staged. The crash was really so minimal, but yet there was so much blood. Because the body was frozen, the police were able to determine that she died of mass blunt force trauma to her head. Police have already cleared Michelle's lover, Miguel de Jesus, of having anything to do with her murder. Miguel gave us detailed descriptions of what he did, where he was, the people he talked to in that time frame. Everything he told us checked out. And they found no evidence to support Jonathan's claim that Miguel was trying to extort money from him. Based on the investigation that was conducted, there was nothing that Jonathan said that could be verified. So once we clear Miguel as a suspect, it points us back to Mr. Nice. They started to investigate the nature of the relationship between Jonathan and Michelle. Investigators get a search warrant for the couple's mansion and question friends and family about the marriage. People familiar with the couple painted a, a picture that their relationship, although in the beginning seemed very healthy, uh, towards the end certainly was not. Detectives learned that their flawless marriage began to crumble two years earlier in 2002. It started when Michelle discovered from a family member that her husband had lied about his age from the very start. When they met, he was already 40, not 32, as he originally told her. Police also learned that they didn't actually meet in Hawaii, like the couple told everyone. The image they portrayed to everybody else was not the reality of what their relationship was. Jonathan was embarrassed to admit that the two actually began their courtship when he answered Michelle's ad in a local paper, looking for American pen pals. Jonathan Nice was a nerd growing up. He didn't have many friends. When the two married, it was after a single meeting in the Philippines. Jonathan went to the little village where Michelle grew up. They got married. He paid for the wedding and everything. But the truth about the couple's marriage was hardly the only secret Jonathan was keeping. His dream of having a wonder asthma drug never just panned out. 
Police learned that Jonathan's drug failed to pass clinical trials the year prior, and investors began pulling out. They were having severe financial problems. He had multiple bills that were past due. So the image of being this successful pharmaceutical was nothing more than a facade. When his career started falling apart, the grip on his marriage became tighter. Jonathan was really, really controlling. They go to parties, and if it, Michelle went to the restroom, Jonathan would be standing outside waiting for her to come out. Jonathan would call almost incessantly. He had to know where she was at all times. That's when Michelle started secretly spending time with Miguel, someone closer to her own age. We did learn that she had spoken about a potential divorce with some of her friends. She wanted to leave him. With Jonathan looking more like someone with a motive for murder, police decide it's time to talk to him again. The next day, while the nicest three children stay with a family member, investigators bring Jonathan in for questioning. Meanwhile, police and forensic technicians conduct a search at his home and know exactly what they're looking for. When they were conducting the search, they knew they were looking for a boot. But even though they determined Jonathan does wear a size 12, the same size as the snowy boot prints left at the crash site, they can't find the boots anywhere in the house. But they do find something of interest in the garage. On the garage floor, there were white swirl marks caused by hydrogen peroxide. It was a very, very obvious that somebody had been cleaning it up. But luckily for investigators, hydrogen peroxide doesn't always get rid of every trace of blood. There was blood found not only on the floor, but there was blood on the walls of the garage, on the garage door, and it appeared to be a tremendous amount of blood that was cleaned up. Police feel confident this is where Michelle was murdered. But it's what else they find that really piques their interest. They started to find little pieces of rubber sole. They initially found some small pieces, but the pieces started getting bigger and bigger. In total, they collect 14 small pieces of cut plastic from the sole of a shoe. And when they put them together, police have their smoking gun. They fit perfectly together to the sole of a size 12 Brahma boot. And that boot matched the footprint that was found at the location of the SUV. It was a perfect match. If it wasn't for the freezing temperatures and snow, they may not have ever found this important piece of forensic evidence. The winter weather was really a huge advantage in preserving the evidence. Mother Nature was on their side. Back at the station, police know they have their man. They're just hoping to get a confession from Jonathan. They tell him they know Michelle was back with Miguel the night of her murder, and that they're fairly certain Jonathan knew it too. We asked, how did you know when Michelle and Miguel were together? And he said she'd come home heavily perfumed. Then he paused, he took a deep breath, and then just started sobbing. Through tears, Jonathan is about to launch into his version of what happened to his wife that cold, snowy night. One that might clear him of any murder charges, unless the weather can prove otherwise.
When Michelle Nice's body is found behind the wheel of her SUV in the winter of 2004, the ice and snow gave police exactly what they needed to zero in on her killer. In this case, the weather preserved the body and it preserved the crime scene and the injuries. And because it was so cold, the shoe prints were preserved and those were the most crucial evidence. After a search of the Nice's home reveals that Michelle was most likely killed in the garage, and the boots that left the snowy prints at the crime scene belong to Jonathan, he decides to come clean to detectives. Jonathan went on to explain that when she got home, he heard the garage door open, so he went into the garage. Jonathan says when he innocently asked where she'd been, Michelle flew into a rage and lunged at him with something sharp. He said it was an object. And when we tried to pin him down as to, OK, what was the object, he couldn't really describe it. According to Jonathan, she was coming at him in such a threatening manner that he had no choice but to defend himself. So he says he slammed her head into the concrete multiple times. He said he hadn't meant to kill her. He was protecting his life because she was attacking him. But if it was a true case of self-defense, police want to know why he chose to stage a fake car accident instead of calling authorities. He would go on to say that I didn't want my three children to realize that their mother had tried to kill their father. He said he panics. He puts her in the vehicle, and he is driving around trying to figure out what to do. He's in the passenger side, and he's leaning over her, steering the car. But he's using a long ice scraper to operate the gas and brake pedals. Jonathan, thinking that the winter storm would cover up the evidence, he decided to then stage a car accident. He had no idea that because of the weather, he was leaving behind perfectly preserved evidence of his plan. What he didn't think about is the fact that when he left that crime scene, he left on freshly fallen snow. He put down footprints. He walks about the mile back to the house, and that's where the cover-up starts, cutting up the soles of the shoes, trying to clean up the traces of the blood. And all of this is while his three kids are sleeping upstairs. Despite his claim that he was defending himself, Jonathan Nice is charged with first-degree murder and tampering with physical evidence. On June 7, 2005, nearly 18 months after Michelle's body was found, Jonathan goes to trial. He pleads not guilty and maintains that it was self-defense. But prosecutors believe Jonathan killed Michelle for the oldest reason in the book. The motive was that she was leaving him, that she was unfaithful, he was jealous, and the last straw was when she got home on January 16th. They argue that Jonathan knew Michelle was seeing Miguel again and was waiting for her. When she came home that night, she smelled more perfume than, than normal, and he knew immediately that she had been with him. He confronted her, and the two argued. They believe Michelle told Jonathan she wanted out of the marriage, hastily packed a suitcase, and was getting ready to drive off. It's at that time that we believe Jonathan Nice pulled her out of the car so she wouldn't leave him. And his jealousy fueled his rage. 
He'd slammed her head down three or four times in concrete and kind of smashed her face in. This went totally beyond self-defense. I mean, this was quite horrendous. Then he staged the car crash, not to protect his children from the truth, but to protect himself. After attempting to clean up the evidence, the next day, Jonathan tried to pin the murder on Miguel by telling police he was stalking Michelle. It wasn't all about the affair. It was a culmination of everything going wrong in his life, but it was the affair that put him over the top. After a lengthy five-week trial, on July 14, 2005, the jury finds Jonathan guilty of tampering with physical evidence and manslaughter. In New Jersey, if a jury finds that someone committed murder, but they did so in the heat of passion, the murder charge is downgraded to manslaughter, what we call passion provocation. Needless to say, we were disappointed with the verdict. Two months later, Jonathan is sentenced to approximately eight years in prison. He serves a total of five. In the murder case of Michelle Nice, her husband thought he could use the snow and ice to help conceal his crimes. In the end, the investigators were able to piece everything together and determine what happened and who was responsible. It's just fascinating, the role that weather can play. Who knows, if there'd been another snowstorm, it might never have happened. You know, they might never have got him. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.